Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode 22, The Fear of God. So we'll jump right in here with the the definitions of fear. Uh, Number one, most of you guys understand it's an unpleasant or strong emotion caused by an anticipation of danger, right? You're scared. There's something bad coming. Watch out. Okay. The one that is less often uh, used by people in modern times is the definition that is reverence, profound reverence and awe or honor and respect for someone in their position. So this is most often referred to in religious circles. You don't normally hear people say with great reverence that, oh, I fear my parents or I fear my boss at work. That's just not a common day usage. So the Bible verses that actually use this, uh, the fear of God, there's quite a few of them. So I just had to pick some that uh, stuck out to me in my mind. In the Old Testament, the word for fear is Yahweh, uh, which occurs 43 different times in the Old Testament. And it has two aspects to it. It is fear to be afraid and to be morally reverent. So caring for or revering what is good. So there's just four quick verses I wanted to look at. Psalm 66 verse 16 says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. There's the reference to Christians who fear God. Come and hear the good things that God has done for my soul. So that is clearly not the be afraid type of fear. Ecclesiastes 8.12 says, Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God. There is yet another one that is saying, hey, those who actually fear God will do well. And this is more in reference to after life, at the judgment. You have the hope of heaven and things like that that Ecclesiastes gets into that evil people do well on this earth quite often. But if you truly fear God, then you'll do well after your death, regardless of what may have happened uh, during your lifetime. And then at the end of Ecclesiastes, this is one of my favorite verses in that book, is Ecclesiastes 12, 13. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So we have that command to fear God, which is the reason we're, we're talking about it today is, well, what does that actually mean? That is actually that same word that the other verses use, Yahweh, which means morally reverent or possibly afraid, depending on context. Here's one that uh, really clarifies the context as to what it means to fear God. Psalm 145, 19 says, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. So this Old Testament usage of the word Yahweh very clearly is indicating that it is not the afraid of danger fear, Because why would that person listen to you and save you if you're supposed to be afraid of him? So God is clearly referring to the other fear here, the reverence, the respect for God. Now, if you look at the New Testament, of course, that's in a different language that was written mostly in Greek. 
And the word for fear that is used 93 times in the New Testament is fabeo, which is to frighten, uh, to be alarmed in the passive context, or to be exceeding reverent, to be in awe of, and to to revere. So the three verses on this one that I pulled out uh, really made it clear to me. Acts 9.31 says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So they were edified, which means lifted up, comforted, and more people came to this fear of the Lord. Well, you don't get attracted usually to something that scares you especially if it edifies you and comforts you at the same time. So this is not the scared form of fear. This is the awe, the reverence that it's referring to. Then we have uh, 1 Peter 2.17, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So once again, this kind of refers back to the Old Testament that this is a command that we must fear God. So then the question is, well, what does that mean to fear God? So we'll look at another verse. Revelation 14.7 says, Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Let's look at that one a little bit deeper. It says fear God, but in the same breath it says give glory to him. So that gives credence to the idea of reverence and awe, giving glory to one, honor to whom honor is due, right? And then it says, uh, worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. So again, that awe, that reverent worship. But it brings out this simple point here, kind of an aside in the middle of the verse that says, for the hour of his judgment is come, which makes you think that maybe there is an element of being afraid because that word does mean it is used to mean both afraid and reverence and awe. So that's a very unique verse, that Revelations, that it shows both sides of that fear. So I kind of liken this to, um, to gravity. Most people, you know, don't walk around in fear of the law of gravity. But we respect it and we understand the consequences of foolishly ignoring it. You don't walk around on eggshells afraid that you might fall, that gravity is going to get you and smack you in the face. Most of your life, you're over that once you're past being at the toddler stage of, you know, two years old, learning how to walk or whatever. We've had that stage where we are afraid of falling. And now we've understood the law of gravity and we respect it. We're not scared of it. In the same way, we should respect God and his laws and the fact that he is real and his power and authority and just being God so much more than what a human being is, right? But we don't foolishly ignore him. Just like gravity, if you think, well, it doesn't apply to me because I don't believe in it, and just go walk off at the edge of a cliff, well, gravity's going to have those consequences. You're going to die. It's the same way with God. If you foolishly ignore him and deny his existence, when you die, there will be judgment and consequences. And because of your ignorance and your foolishness, you will pay a penalty. OK, 
Okay. So, and that goes, refers to the, one of the aspects of God that he is a just God. And as such, he must punish sin. A perfect God requires justice because if he allowed injustice, uh, if somebody murdered a family member of yours and God just let that go, there's no justice. It's okay. They have, everyone goes to heaven and the murderer gets away with it. You would have resentment because that would indicate that there's no justice from this God, right? So God, God has to punish sin. Uh, Matthew 10, 28 says, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, referring to God, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's huge. So yes, we do have that element of fear that there is a punishment for every sin that is committed, right? However, Jesus Christ meets that requirement of paying for sin by taking the penalty for us. As God, Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, his immortal blood was shed, and it paid that price, a very real price. If you think of capital punishment for murderers, well, they murdered somebody, so they have to be put to death. Their blood has to be shed. Well, when Jesus's blood was shed, that was payment that was big enough to cover the cost of every mortal man's sin. Hebrews 9.22 says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified by blood, and without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. But then Jesus came, and in 1 Peter 1.18 and 19, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold from your vain conversations, received by tradition from your fathers. So we know that there is punishment for sin, and we can't pay for it with silver or gold, right? but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we need to understand that we have that gift. We have that freedom of uh, forgiveness and being able to live our life without that fear of punishment. God does not want us to be afraid of him. And here's proof of that. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He doesn't want us to worry. He doesn't want us to be anxious. God cares for us. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Someone who says he is going to help you, he will uphold you and get you through the valley of the shadow of death, the worst times of your life. Do not be afraid of him. God is there to help us. And then Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's very clear that God loves us and does not want us to be afraid of him. So the conclusion is the fear of God has two elements, proper respect and reverence for his position as creator God, and acknowledging his existence, his awesome power, his love, and his forgiveness for us. And then the other element of that fear, the proper fear of God, is the fear of his requirement of justice and acknowledging the need for payment of sin. His wrath is justified, and it ought to bring fear on the evildoers. Are you choosing to be an evildoer, 
Or are you choosing to accept that forgiveness and love of God and not be afraid of him and just be in awe of what he has done for us and that he has paid for everything we've ever done wrong? So just respect God and be thankful for his forgiveness of sins. Do not walk in fear. Proper fear of God brings peace, joy, and immense freedom. So until next time, God bless you. Thank you for listening. And you can always email me at angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. I hope to hear from you. Have a great day.